This podcast contains language and concepts which may not be suitable for young listeners. The following audio record forms part of the department's ongoing investigation into the actions of Eugene Kirkley, a.k.a. Gideon Vermello, and his operations in the town of Alara. Testimonies recorded here are confidential and have not yet been officially corroborated by secondary or tertiary sources. Hello? Hello? Okay, microphone is on. We are recording. Before I talk about Harmony, I want to talk about Richie Edwards. Richie started out as a roadie with the Manic Street Preachers, one of my all-time favourite bands. He was one of the few to achieve that rare rock and roll dream of transitioning from road crew to official band member. More than that, he became their main lyricist and a sort of mad captain for their little ship. Although he wasn't the greatest musician. Apparently he mimed playing his guitar at some of their early gigs. He was a grand visionary for the band, their mission, their aesthetic, their direction. He also struggled with depression, like a lot of great artists. Once in an interview, a journalist asked him if he was really serious about his art. He responded by taking a razor blade and carving the words for real into his arm. In 1995, just before the band was about to embark on a US tour, he started behaving erratically, withdrawing large amounts of money. Then his car was found left by the side of the road. He was declared missing and was never found again. There were initial sightings in India, Spain, the Canary Islands. Even to this day, people claim to have spotted him in some distant, exotic corner of the world. But none of these sightings have ever been confirmed. The Manics kept going as a three-piece. They're still making great albums. People have been comparing Harmony's story to Richie's. A troubled musician, disappearing without a trace, blah, blah, blah. But I can promise you, Harmony's story will not be the same as Richie's, for a million different reasons. Most importantly, she's the heart and soul of Imperium Empires. We can't replace her. We can't go on without her. And wherever she is, I know that she'll make her way back home to us, safe. I know what a lot of you are thinking hearing this, and yes, I am all too aware that with missing persons cases, the chances of finding them rapidly dwindle with every passing day. And it's been over six weeks now. Some of you may be sitting there listening to this thinking, that poor fool can't accept the fact that his sister's dead. But I have proof that she's still alive. And I'm really excited to share it with you. We'll get to that soon. I know a lot of the enthusiasm has dropped off over the last couple of weeks. Someone's been taking down all the missing posters I put around town. And when I try and bring it up at council meetings, there's this weird, awkward coughing and then someone always changes the subject. I know they mean well, but it makes me so angry. Ulara is supposed to be the kind of community where we look after each other, no matter what, like a family. I guess even your family lets you down sometimes, and that's why I'm so grateful to all of you listening for your help. I want to especially thank all of you who have donated to the Help Find Harmony Fund. We've raised over $7,000, which is amazing. I'm using a small portion of that money to pay for this website and hosting, and I paid Harmony's medical bills and most of her debts to the various people she owed money to. They are not the kind of people whom you want to owe money, as I'm sure you can imagine. You'd be surprised how much the miscellaneous costs add up as well. Being in a remote area means I'm spending way more than I would like on petrol as I drive all over the state chasing leads and... Well, I won't bore you with the details. But please know that your help is appreciated and tell your friends about these broadcasts and the Help Find Harmony project. When we finally bring her home, we'll play a big free concert with the band. You'll all be invited and it'll be amazing. 
I've thought a lot about what I should say first. Whether we should talk about her disappearing, or the drugs, or her fugues. And of course, there's all that ridiculous, crazy propaganda that people talk about Ulara. I've heard everything from UFO sightings to human trafficking to it being a mini narco state. It's weird what people say about small towns. I can promise you, none of it's true. So, ah, to begin. One of Harmony's favourite books is Alice in Wonderland. You probably all know that's where we got the last album title, of Cabbages and Kings. There's this famous bit where the king says, Begin at the beginning, go on till you come to the end, then stop. I suppose we'll do that. Harmony didn't, doesn't, like talking about her childhood much. You might have noticed that whenever we get asked about our childhood in interviews, she says the exact, and I mean exact, same phrase. Our childhood was pleasantly prosaic and beautifully banal. Even in interviews, she's always so damn poetic. You can see why she writes most of the lyrics. But there's a reason why she never speaks candidly about our childhood. River? I'm busy. River, open the damn door. Don't make me threaten to fire you. Again. I'm obviously here because of the mess you left in the library. You can't expect me to be... Let's talk outside. You can't expect me to be walking into that library and seeing a piece Aurelia, of... you know that I care about that library more than anyone else as well. Oh, I was only doing what was right I for the community at the time. I saw the pile of, of ash. Well, did you put it out? Oh, oh that's my job now. That's my job. Well, the I, fire. I you made... to do. I had to leave. Sorry about that. Where were we? Ah, uh, yes, the beginning. It was the best of times. It was the brat worst of times. Harmony made that joke about a million times when we were on tour in Germany last year. I started insisting that we avoid restaurants where they served brat worst. Not an easy task in Germany. Our parents were workaholics. They founded a real estate company in their 20s, just after they got married. And no, I'm not going to say which one, obviously, but I'm sure you can figure it out if you really feel like digging. Harmony and I were born a couple of years later, a very unexpected turn of events, as they say. Our parents' busy schedule really did not allow time for a child, let alone two. They basically outsourced our care to a rotating cadre of nannies. I had six different people I referred to as mum when I was a little kid. When they were home, we could only periodically see their faces because they were always glued to a computer screen. Direct eye contact felt like a sort of special treat. I thought of it the same way that some kids thought about Sunday night pizza. Our house wasn't so much a home as an office that happened to have a couple of kids wandering around. Harmony never seemed to care. She liked our nannies, especially Patricia. 
Patricia was from Brazil, and she taught Harmony how to play guitar. I wanted her to teach me too, but I also wanted to do something different than her, so I told my parents I wanted piano lessons. They were happy to have another activity to keep me occupied, and away from them, and their computers. Music was an escape for us. It was like magic. Writing songs was like casting spells. I once heard Alan Moore talking about how he used the same word spell to discuss the act of creating words and creating magic. That's what writing songs felt like. We'd make something new that didn't used to exist. Actually, you know what? Maybe I can play you something. I've got a bunch of those ancient recordings hiding on my hard drive somewhere. Ah, maybe this one. There's a little sample of our juvenilia. Sorry if that's a bit self-indulgent. It still gets me. Hearing her music, imagining her fingers on the strings. I can't even listen to our album anymore. It's like having her in the room. Like a ghost in the stereo. Huh. That might actually be a good album title if we ever get to make another album. (laughs) Shit. Where was I? Oh, yeah. It was the breast of times. Um, best of times. (laughs) I wonder if that was a Freudian slip. (laughs) When we were around 14, we started messing around with drugs, like most teenagers. Ecstasy was okay, but... It just made me really sleepy. What we really liked were mushrooms. It seemed to make more sense taking something that had come from the earth rather than being made in a lab. The first time we took mushrooms, I felt like the curtain of reality was pulled back so we could stare into the blazing heart of the cosmos. We made our way through the typical list of drug-related literary masterworks. Confessions of an opium eater, Junkie, The Doors of Perception. We especially loved that one. It took its title from that William Blake quote, If the doors of perception were cleansed, everything would appear to man as it is. Infinite. And that was definitely what it felt like for us. We were gone for aeons at a time, 
I remember Harm said it felt like swimming through stars. And yeah, that's where we got the first EP title. We used to get blitzed maybe two or three times a week. We called ourselves Psychonauts, which was unbelievably pretentious for a couple of adolescents who hadn't even figured out how to navigate basic human relationships, let alone the innermost secrets of the universe. After a while, the weekend trips weren't enough. School had started to seem like a waste of time anyway. It's hard to see the value in simultaneous equations or stumbling through French lessons when you spend half your time communing with the cosmos. So we started skipping school. We'd hang out with these two pretty creepy dudes, Ollie and Murph. They got the stuff for us, which was the only reason why we tolerated their company. We used to use the code VERYFLOSS on the phone, which we thought was clever, but I can see now was clearly idiotic. Anyone with half a brain who overheard a 15-year-old on the phone asking for the usual amount of fairy floss would conclude they were talking about drugs. Ollie and Murph were always trying it on with harm. It was completely gross. One day she went and tripped with them and forgot to tell me she was going. When she came home, I was so angry. I ran into the hallway ready to unleash a tantrum. But then I saw her face and I just deflated. I asked her what happened and she said, Nothing in this tiny, timid voice. She was always the loudest person in the room. I used to say she didn't so much have conversations as announce her opinions via megaphone, but she was so quiet. She looked so small. I asked her again, what happened? And she said, nothing, fucking nothing. Just leave me alone. Stop following me around all the goddamn time. We don't have to spend every fucking minute together. I'm my own person. I know a lot of twins go through a rift like this in their teens when they're trying to figure out their identity. I just didn't think it would happen with us. She started avoiding me, locking herself in her room. Then one day I was out in the garden reading and she walked past me like I wasn't even there. I thought she was just being rude, so I threw my book at her because I was a petulant little brat, but I missed because I was also a terrible shot. She didn't seem to notice the fluttering pages and the thump of the book landing behind her. She walked through the garden towards the back fence. I remember she wasn't wearing shoes, which was weird because she had this insane idea that her feet were really ugly, so she tried to keep them covered up all the time. Even when we went to the beach, she'd wear shoes and only take them off the instant she wanted to go swimming. She'd rip them off and run straight into the ocean. So she opened the gate and the hinges shrieked and I called out to her, but she didn't turn around. I ran after her, but she'd already crossed the street an instant before the lights changed and there was now a steady stream of traffic flowing in front of me. I watched her disappear around a corner, bare feet treading on filthy ground. We lived in a nice neighbourhood and all, but there was still often glass and stuff around the place, so I was obviously pretty worried. The lights finally changed and I ran after her. I turned the corner and ran down the street where I'd seen her walk. It was this ugly... Utterly mundane street that could have been any one of a million boring monoculture suburban streets anywhere in the country. Coffee club, newsagent, pharmacy, bottle shop, blah, blah, blah. All of them chain stores, completely devoid of charm and personality. I pressed my face into each of the windows looking for her. It was almost closing time on a Tuesday, so there weren't a lot of people around. Finally, I found her in the newsagent, standing in the magazine aisle. She was looking at the magazines. And when I say looking at the magazines, I don't mean she had one in her hands and she was flipping through it. I mean, she was just standing there, arms hanging limp by her side, staring vacantly at issues of Guns and Ammo and Truckers Weekly. The shop clerk was eyeing her suspiciously. 
I stood there staring at her for a moment, waiting for her to see me and react, but she just stood there like she was in a trance. I called out. Nothing. I grabbed her by the shoulder and she jolted, then turned to me and said, Hi. I said, Harmony, what the fuck are you doing? The clerk yelled something about watching our language and reminding us that we were on camera. I ignored him. Have you come to take me to the beach? She asked. She sounded stoned out of her mind. What are you talking about? Where are your damn shoes? Let's just go home, okay? I grabbed her by the wrist and started to lead her away, but she pulled away from me and said, Don't touch me. The clerk yelled at us to get out of the store. I told Harmony we had to go home, and she said, I'm not going home with... And then she just stopped. And this glassy look passed over her eyes, and she said, River? Like she'd only just noticed me. Why did you bring us here? I came to get you, you freak. She nodded and then pressed her hand against her head like she had a headache and said, I'm tired. Can you take me home? That was the first time it happened. The medical term is fugue state. And yes, I know you've all seen the video. I have to say there were some pretty hurtful comments on there. I guess in the digital era, it doesn't always occur to us that people featured in viral videos might actually read the comments, but Harm did, and she was upset. Really upset. She cancelled a bunch of interviews the next day. Our manager was seriously pissed. I don't know. I just think it sucks that you can look at someone having a serious medical or psychological problem and make fun of them. I mean, I don't know who shot that video or uploaded it, but it really upset Harmony. I've had it taken down a few times, but it's like the goddamn Hydra. Every time one copy gets taken down, another two get uploaded. She used to fall into fugue states all the time during our teens, before we ran away to Ulara. And then they seemed to just go away for a while once we got here. It wasn't until the album came out and things got hectic with touring that it all started again. I'll talk more about that later. I want to try and bring you all up to speed with how we came to Ulara first, and then we'll jump back to the present. About a year after her first fugue, Harmony decided to be a good idea to... Damn it. I think I have to get this. I'll try to make it quick. Hang on. Hello? Hi, Gideon. Well, it was an honour. No, I consider it my duty. We can't allow those kinds of suppressive lies to propagate. I'm actually just in the middle of something right now. Would it be alright if we did it later? Of course, but this is such a big thing. Ah. Uh, okay. I understand. That sounds urgent. Of course, I'll be right over. Love and light. Well, looks like I might have to cut this a little short. Sorry, I know we haven't even got to talking about theories of how Harmony might have gone missing, but I'll quickly leave you with this. Like I mentioned, I have proof that Harmony is still alive. Yesterday afternoon, I received an anonymous email with her photo. There wasn't any text or title, just a blurry black and white picture of Harmony with a weird haircut wearing dark glasses. I don't know who it's from or why they want to remain anonymous. Maybe it was one of you. But I know that she's alive. She's safe. She's out there, and I'm going to find her. We're going to find her. I'm so, so happy. I have to quickly uh, take care of this important little task, 
and I'll upload another recording as soon as I can. Keep any information you find flowing, and of course your donations are greatly appreciated. Love and light. Listeners, if you enjoyed this week's podcast, and I certainly hope that you did, if you are a fan of mystery, you are my kind of person, and you're going to love our sponsors, the wonderful Poisoned Pen Press. They are an independent publisher of mystery novels. They've been around for 20 years. They've published some amazing novels like Drive by James Salas. You might have read it. You might have also seen the film starring Ryan Gosling. They published my friend Solari Gentle, and they published the US edition of my last novel, Killing Adonis, which was nominated for a Kirkus Prize. Thank you very much. Now, this week, I'm very excited to tell you about a recent release, which is Lost Luggage by Wendell Thomas. This is about Sid, who is a third-generation travel agent. Sid is suddenly thrown, heels first, a very odd way to be thrown, into the bizarre and sinister world of international animal smuggling. Not animal cuddling, which I'm a big fan of, but animal smuggling, which I'm going to go on record as saying I do not like. Now, Library Journal magazine says of this, Thomas makes a rollicking debut with his comic mystery featuring an unconventional protagonist who proves to have the skills of MacGyver with its sexy overtones. Those are the best kind of overtones. This fun, character-driven novel will appeal to Janet Ivanovich fans. So if you're a fan of mystery, if you're a fan of rollicking adventure, you are going to love Lost Luggage by Wendell Thomas, the brand new release from Poisoned Pen Press. Today's episode was written by me, J.M. Dinellen. Production, editing, sound design, and direction by Jessica Magor and myself. Our actors were the wonderful Tom Yaxley, the fantastic Melanie Zanetti, and the luminary Robert Zozars. If you liked what you heard, please rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really means a lot to us. Or if you're feeling particularly fabulous and generous, we would love you to join our wonderful patrons at the Six Cold Feet Patreon page. We would seriously appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back with another episode next week.